Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today, as I've labeled this entire book as Jesus is Better, if we could summarize this one book with one word, it is better. And that is Jesus is Better. So today is a part a three message from verses one, two, and three. We're going to look at verse number one. So Jesus is better, and this is part one of the three different messages from these first three verses. The theme of this book is the superiority, or in other words, the, the, the primacy of Jesus Christ and the new covenant. As you study the book of Hebrews, as you read this letter or this sermon, if you will, we, we find that, that this is a book that goes back into the Old Testament. And in fact, there have been some who have said that the book of Hebrews is likened unto the book of Revelation from the standpoint that it can be very complex to understand. Because really to fully understand this book that we're about to embark in for the next 40 Sundays is, is you have to have a great understanding of the Old Testament law, specifically the book of Leviticus. And I know Leviticus is not a book that we study a lot or read a lot, but the more you understand the Old Testament, hear me now, is the more you'll understand the New Testament. And the more you understand both Testaments, more you'll understand the overarching theme of the Word of God. And this book reveals to us that Jesus is better than anything else in this world. In fact, I just share, I want to share a key statement with you that not, we'll just summarize my sermon today, but really the entire book of Hebrews. And that's this. Jesus is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Jesus is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. As you study this book, as we study this book, as we analyze the contents found in this book of the Bible, we understand that Jesus is better than all the prophets. From Daniel to Zechariah, from Ezekiel to Isaiah, from Malachi to Isaiah and all the others, we see that Jesus is better than all them. We see Jesus is better than the angels, better than Gabriel, better than Michael, and yes, better than Lucifer who fell from heaven. Jesus is better than Moses, the great, the great leader of the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. We see that Jesus is better than him. One of the greatest characters of the Old Testament, Jesus is better. Aaron, the high priest, we see that Jesus is a better priest because he is our high priest and he intercedes for us. Jesus offers a better promise than the Old Testament promises and the covenants between God and Israel. Jesus offers a better sanctuary. Today, we don't have to go to a large temple and tabernacle that they did in the Old Testament and offer up sacrifices because today we know that, that when you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit becomes a, a part of you and indwells you and you become a sanctuary and temple of God. Paul elaborated on that in the letter of Corinth. How he said, we are bought with a price and therefore glorify God in your body because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' sacrifice was better than all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, that sacrifice that Adam and Eve made, all the way to the, the elaborate sacrifices of the days of David and Solomon in, in the temple. 
We understand that the sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago was the greatest sacrifice that this world has ever seen when God Almighty clothed Himself with humanity so that we could spend all eternity with Him. And that leads us to the question, who wrote this book? Well, if you have a Bible like mine, before you dive into the contents of chapter 1, it says the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. Tradition tells us that Paul wrote this letter, and whoever wrote this letter, they had to have a firm understanding of the Old Testament. Now, I do lean to a Pauline authorship, but I cannot be dogmatic because throughout the New Testament, when you read Matthew to Revelation, nearly every book of the New Testament, it says Paul or Peter or John, the apostle, wrote this book. This is one of the few letters and books in the New Testament that doesn't release the human author. Now, I like what one of the church fathers says, only God knew who wrote this book. And he was the author because the Holy Spirit inspired the human penman. Let's not get hung up on the exact human author because we know that the Holy Spirit is the original author. Now, there are some that will read chapter 2, verse number 3, and, and they'll say that, that because this seems to, to, to be a letter that was, that was written from a second-hand perspective, that Paul was not the author, and many people have, have guessed at that. But we know that only God knows the author. Now, who is the audience? Who received this letter? We don't know exactly, because like Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, it says the churches of Galatia. When Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, it says the church of Colossae. But we know that based on the context of these 13 chapters, that the audience had to be Hebrew. They had to be Jewish, and they had to be believers. Because here, in the first three verses, the Bible says that He purged our sins. So the writer of this book, this letter, was saying that, hey, you're an audience and you have had your sins forgiven, so more than likely this was a letter written to Hebrew Christians, not a Gentile church. Now there's some who have said that it was written to Hebrew Christians and Hebrew non-Christians who were intellectually convinced that Jesus was Messiah but didn't believe he was the Messiah in their heart. And then this was perhaps also a letter in certain sections to Hebrew non-Christians who were not intellectually convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And this book that starts off kind of like as a letter, then begins into like a huge sermon and ends as a letter, is a unique book in the New Testament because it summarizes the contents of the Old Testament in 13 chapters and reveals to us the whole purpose of the Old Testament was to point us to Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus is the best there was the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Why is Jesus better? I'm sure you might be asking that. Why is Jesus better? You open up the Bible, and I know that the Bible can be a very complex book to understand from Genesis to Revelation, but, but why is Jesus better than everything in the Old Testament and everything that's ever existed from night now till the day of the end? Well, I want to share with you two thoughts from verse number one. Let's read verse number one out loud together. Would you do that with me? It says, God who at sun-dry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. I want to focus on the very first word, that is God. You see, I believe that, that Almighty God had a greater purpose behind this letter than revealing the human penman. He is revealing that He is the author of this letter. And God reveals, the word literally means a, the divine character that it always has and always will exist. And so I wrote down this. Because God points to Jesus Christ. And because Jesus is God, Jesus is the author of this book. 
I wrote down this first of two thoughts. Jesus is better because he is the eternal God. Jesus is better because he is the eternal God. I know that, that in your mind and maybe in the time past or maybe, maybe even right now, you ask this question. I know many have asked this question. Who created God? We were all created. Every person that's ever existed was created or ever will exist was created. The mountains were formed. The oceans were created. The universe was created. It didn't just spontaneously happen and, and get here. Despite what some people have suggested throughout history and even today. You see, Jesus, even though he was manifested in bodily form through a virgin birth from Mary 2,000 years ago, we know that Jesus has always existed in eternity past and in eternity future and in eternity present. Jesus is co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You see, from the very beginning in Genesis, we see it says, let us, speaking of the not the, not the polytheistic form of religion, but the fact that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they are three separate personages, but in one being. And he created us in his image, and we are a triune being. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And our body will cease to exist, but our soul and spirit will live on in eternity. And that's why it is important that we know Jesus as our Savior. I want you to understand this, that, that the, the theological term for these manifestations in the Old Testament before Jesus was, was born of a virgin is called a theophany and or a Christophany. And many commentators view as a theophany as, as a manifestation of God in the flesh in the Old Testament and a Christophany is the manifestation of God in the flesh after his ascension up into heaven. Now, let me share with you. As we look at the word God, as we look at the whole theme of Scripture in this context, I want you to know this, that in Genesis chapter 12, we see a bodily manifestation of God Almighty in the flesh when he came to Abraham on his arrival in the land that God promised him and in his descendants. In Genesis chapter 18, you might have read this chapter. And Abraham and Sarah, the great patriarch of, of the Old Testament faith and the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, we see that he was just having a routine day and he had a knock at his door and there were, there were three visitors, two angels, the Bible says, and one, the Bible says was an angel of the Lord and we believe that every time or most of the times that the angel of the Lord is mentioned in the Old Testament is a representation and a manifestation of God in the flesh more most likely Jesus in the flesh and there Abraham entertained God Almighty in his house and in that scene we see that God revealed to him that he would give birth or his family would give birth to a son later in life, and eventually have a large nation of descendants, and the Messiah would be born. Genesis chapter 32, we read about Jacob. How Jacob wrestled with a man. And after further analysis of that chapter, we see that that man was Almighty God. Exodus chapter 3, we see that God spoke to Moses through the form of the burning bush. And most people believe that was another manifestation. Deuteronomy 31, we read about it. In Job chapter 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42, we see God audibly reaches out to Job from a tempest and spoke to him at great length. In Daniel chapter 3, probably the most unique 
and the coolest scene of a theophany or Christophany. And that is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys who did not bow to the image King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire made, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And when they looked down into that furnace, they said there's a fourth one in there, and the Bible literally says this, like unto the Son of Man, or the Son of God. I believe that was Jesus right there in the midst of that fire. Isaiah chapter number 6. We see Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne with angels surrounding him singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Those are just eight times in the Old Testament that God came and manifested himself in the flesh before being born of a virgin. You see, Jesus Christ is better because he is eternal God. He always has existed, he always is existing, and he always will exist. God never had a beginning, and he never has an ending. That's why the Bible says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Because he is the great I Am. He is the one who created the world and spoke into existence, as the Bible says here in the first three verses of Hebrews, and he is God. He is the eternal God. We had a beginning of life. A few decades ago, I entered this world and many of you enter this world sometime back, but there will come a day unless we all go up in the rapture together. Now, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome if we just get to fly up into heaven with Jesus Christ in the sky all together? And that could happen in our generation this day. I believe that the next event on God's time calendar is the rapture of the church. And that's why it's important that we're always ready. But hear, hear me out now. I had a beginning of life, but my life will come to an end. Jesus laid down a portion of his divine attributes so he could experience death. And he rose again, the Bible says. And that's why he's better. Moses had a beginning and an ending. Every prophet had a beginning and ending. The priest Aaron and all the others we talked about, they all had a beginning and an ending, but Jesus did not. And that's why he's better because he is the eternal God. Now look at the verse, verse 1, it says, God, who at sun-dry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past, going back to the Old Testament. Most likely this book was written before 70 A.D., and that is before the temple was destroyed because of the context of the chapters here, because it seems like that the sacrificial law system was still in place of the Jews. And he goes back and he mentions how in times past, before God the Son was revealed to humanity, the prophets we're the spokespeople of God. And I wrote down this. Jesus is better because he fulfilled the prophets. Jesus is better because he fulfilled the prophets. You see, Moses was not the promised Messiah. Aaron was not the promised Messiah. None of the prophets were the promised Messiah. Only Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who we call Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament law. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books called the Torah are also called the Pentateuch. We read those chapters and we read about the Levitical law system. And in Deuteronomy, a similar passage, we read about the stories in Numbers, the stories in Exodus, and the stories in Genesis. And it all points to Jesus. The man by the name of Joseph, his life points to Jesus. Moses' life 
points to Jesus. Aaron's life points to Jesus. They weren't better than Jesus because they were a figure of the one to come. Every time the Bible in the book of Leviticus mentions the, the sacrifice the Israelites had to made, the Bible says that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Romans, the Bible tells us that, that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that the law was, was written so that we would be made aware of our sin because we are sinners, because we've lied, we've stolen, we've cheated, we, we've looked with lust. There's adulteries, there's thefts, all this stuff, hatred, and, and we are contaminated by sin, and that's why the law was written, and the law came to, to, to pull back the covers of our lives so that we could be known as sinners, and God would step in and pay our penalty of sin. And that's the purpose of the law. That's why we have the Ten Commandments. Also, I wrote down this. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament Psalms. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 2, the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus says, He says, when you go back and you read the law of Moses and the Psalms and the prophets, I'm the one that they're speaking of. So I wrote down, Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament Psalms. And in fact, I wrote down 22 of them. If you'd like them, I'd be glad to send them to you. But I'm going to briefly just rapidly run through these. In Psalm number 2, we see that Jesus is the Son of God. And Matthew chapter 3 shares that. In Psalm 8 verse 2, it says that He would be praised by children. And in Matthew 21, we see just that. In Psalm 8 verse 6, we see He is ruler of all. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8. Psalm 16 reveals that He he would rise from the grave. And in Matthew chapter number uh, 28, we see that Jesus rose up from the grave. And because He rose from the grave, we can experience eternal life in Him. We get to live for all eternity with the eternal God in His presence and there. Listen, I know that we talk about, you know, we'll get to be with Aunt Susie and, and, and Brother Barry and, and everybody else. But I'm telling you something. We're going to be so consumed with the presence of Almighty God and Jesus. We're not going to be worried about the crystal sea and going fishing in that and, and, and having a good time in our mansion. We're going to be worshiping Jesus Christ and, and in all of Him forever. Because he rose again, we get to experience that. In Psalm 22, verse 1, he was forsaken by God. In Matthew chapter 27, we read, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8, we see he be denied by enemies. And Luke chapter 23, we read about that. Psalm 22, verse 16, the Bible says that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. And in John chapter 20, we read about how they would take the nail, the stake, and drive it into his wrists and drive it into his feet. In Psalm 22, verse 18, we read about how there will be lots cast for his clothes. And in Matthew chapter 27, we read about those Romans and they were casting lots over his attire. In Psalm 34, verse 20, we read about the bones of the Messiah would go unbroken. Through the agony that he went through in John 19, the Bible says that even when they stabbed him in the side, no bone was broken. Psalm 35 verse 11 says he would be accused by false witnesses. In Mark chapter 14, we read about the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all the religious people of that day, how they falsely accused the one who was completely innocent. In Psalm 35, verse 19, the Bible says he would be hated without a cause. And in John chapter 15, we read about that. And, and Jesus said that, hey, if they have hated me, they will also hate you. 
So if somebody has ever expressed hatred towards you for your faith, remember it's not you that they're hating, it's they're hating Jesus Christ who lives in you. Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says that, that the Messiah would delight in God's Word. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we read about that. In fact, we read about it in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, how he was, he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. And at the end of that, the Bible says he was tempted of the tempter, the enemy. And every time he was tempted, he combated the enemy with the Word of God. Matthew 41, verse 9 says he'd be betrayed by a friend. In Luke chapter 22, the Bible says that, that when they were there in that, in that scene, and Judas had those Romans with him, and he walked in, and he kissed the Messiah and betrayed him. Psalm 45, verse number 6 says that the Messiah would be the eternal king. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 reveals that he is that eternal righteous king. Psalm 68 verse 18, it says that he would ascend into heaven. In Acts chapter 1 verses 9, 10, 11, we read about how Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he commissioned the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then he, he elevated up into heaven. And he is coming back again. Psalm 69 verse 22, it says he would be given vinegar and gall. Matthew chapter 27, we read about how when he was on the cross, they dipped a sponge into vinegar and gave it to him, and he spewed it out of his mouth. Psalm 109, in verse 4, it says that he would pray for his enemies. And Luke chapter 23, we read Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What a Savior we have to pray for the ones who placed him on the cross. Psalm 109 verse 8 says he, his, his betrayer would be placed. In Acts chapter 1 verse 20 we see that Matthias came on the scene to be the 12th apostle. Psalm 110. We read how he would rule over his enemies. In Matthew 22 we read about that. And he will rule this, on this earth in the near future. Psalm 110 verse 4. It says that he would be a priest forever. And in Hebrews chapter 5, in the scene of Melchizedek, the, priest of, the high priest of Salem and, and the king, there back in the book of Genesis, we read about that fulfillment, how Jesus is the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 118, verse 22, we read how he is the chief cornerstone. In Matthew 21, verse 42, we read about that. In Psalm 118 and verse 26, the Bible says that the Messiah would come in the name of the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, the Bible says that he came in the name of the Lord. And in his name... Every knee is going to bow. And in His name, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I also wrote down, Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament prophets. So when Daniel was out prophesying, when Jeremiah was out prophesying, when Isaiah was out prophesying, when Ezekiel and Malachi and Haggai and all of them, Habakkuk, all of them, they were preaching about a Messiah who would come. And that Messiah's name is Jesus. You see, Jesus is better because he fulfilled the prophets. That is the law of Moses, the Psalms, and the minor and major prophets. Jesus is better because he is the eternal God. And because he is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament and the eternal God, I want you to know this as we kind of land this plane of a sermon, that one day we will stand before him.
And the Bible says that the same Messiah who is predicted to come to be born a virgin and live a sinless life and die on the cross and raise again and come back, the Bible says that the same Messiah, we would give an account for everything we've ever said and ever done. If you're here today and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today is that day, my friend. 2020, what a way to start off a new decade. And that is coming to know Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, the Bible says we shall be saved. Man, I'm here to tell you, eternity, I like how one preacher said it. He said it like this. Eternity is too long to be wrong. And I'm here to tell you something. The Bible says that if you try to get to heaven any other way than Jesus, you are a thief and a robber. <laughs> Those are the words of Jesus, by the way, not my opinion. So if you have issue with that, then you can have an issue with Jesus. The Bible says, in fact, in this book that we're about to study, in chapter 9 and verse number 27, if you want to turn there, I close with this verse. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. I'll read it again. It says, And as it, as it is appointed unto man or men once to die, but after this the judgment. The writer of Hebrews reveals to us that death is sure. That death actually is a promise. That we cannot escape death. And verse 28 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And I want you to know this, that the term many in the English Bible often is synonymous with the word all. So as you read the word many here, there's other passages I could show you that, that show it's interchangeably. When you see the sins of many, I believe that when Jesus died, as Hebrews says, he tasted death for every man. Here, the sins of many are, are everybody's sins. The penalty of sin was paid for once and for all. And it says, Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus is coming back. He is going to establish his kingdom. But I wonder, will you be ruling and reigning with him during that kingdom? God, who at sun-dry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers, by the prophets. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.